I do that. So Father, I ask, ask Lord for a grace that will bypass our minds. Not that you would bypass our minds like our minds are bad, but Lord, where revelation is stored, revelation is stored in your spirit. The revelation that's stored in your spirit begins to emanate up and it, it leads to uh, inf- information. It's not information that we're looking for, Lord. We're looking for revelation and revelation is what leads to transformation. Lord, your word says, be renewed in your mind, be transformed. Let a transformation happen in our minds, Lord. As we continue to look at what you have done for us, what you have provided for us in the life, the death, the sacrifice, the resurrection of Jesus. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Um, So I don't have enough time to get into, here's what I'd like to tell you. If I had enough time, this is what I'd like to tell you. I would like for us, I would like for us, let's do this right here. There's this verse that is in Acts 5 where the angel of the Lord went to the, uh, the apostles who were locked in jail and let them go with this word. Go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. Again, this is the same word, the same verse we've been using over the past several weeks. I'm continuing to bring this verse forward. The thing that, that if you're like me, this part of me scares me. It's the part of me that once I've heard something, I think I have it. And if I hear it again, little on three or four times, I begin to get bored. Those are symptomatic of an arrogant attitude that I have that I think I've got it. I think I've got the eternal word of God, not in its entirety, but on this, on, the, on this, that, 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 that basically when I think I've got it, there's no more room for revelation. It's like, I find myself going, Jeff, move on, move on. It's like, oh, Jeff, that's arrogance. Absolute arrogance. So I have to, on purpose, dial my own self down and actually start myself from the beginning as if I'm hearing it afresh every time. That's what I have to do. I believe that's called being teachable. But, so we've been focusing on this. What we're looking at is the whole message of this life. Life is capitalized It's referring to Jesus. It's deified. The whole message of this life, I dare say that if you were born in the church or if if you grew up in the church or you didn't grow up in the church, more than likely, most of us here have bits and pieces of the message of this life. We have part of the message of this life. What this phrase, what this verse says to me is there's a whole nother 40 acres that Jeff, you've not even tapped. 
Well, I'm grew up in the church. Ah, easy little arrogant one. So, I am referencing this because this is what I'm pulling forward the whole message of this life and possibly you are like me in that you have a portion of the message of this life, but there could be a part of the message of this life that you've never heard before or you were taught something completely different. You were taught according to a doctrine that didn't necessarily line up with the word of God. So sorry that sometimes that happens. Um, or fill in the blank. I just lost whatever point was going to be. So anyway, okay. Jesus says, ah, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. That's what I'm referring to. So as we are moving forward, I'm in this with you that my mistake that I'll just say my mistake, that my mistake is that I don't know the scriptures and I don't know the power of God. So with this uh, verse, what I would like to do is I would like for all of us to go on the same journey together in learning about the scriptures and the power of God. Probably would have thought it, I would have heard something different than the response that I just got, but if it, maybe I'm in the wrong church. But this is who I am talking, because let me tell you, my role is not to go learn the scriptures and teach you the scriptures. That's not my job. That's one of the functions that I have, but it's not my job. Meaning you sit there and you listen to me and then you go home, then you come back next week without even opened up or turning on your Bible and coming here going, okay, Jeff, tell me something else I don't know. Because this, that verse, don't know what just got lost there. <laughs> that verse is referring to you as well. So there's no condemnation this is invitation. Always invitation. Always an invitation. So what, I, what would really help me, it would help you too, don't, this didn't need to be about me, is that as we are going along, you turn on your Bible or you open your Bible and you follow along. There is no way, I hate to bust your bubble, there is no way you are gonna be able to take in every, everything, all the verses that I say without either writing them down, following along. You're not gonna be able to remember them. That's what I'm saying. Can I take a break here? There's a, verse of, there's a scripture that has arrested me the, the past couple of weeks. It's the parable of the 10 virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. Everybody heard of that one? You know what I'm talking about? Remember the five that were wise? Remember the difference? They had oil. They, all 10 had lamps. Five had oil, five did not. The five that were wise were the ones that had the oil. The five that were unwise were the ones that didn't have oil. I think 
that one of the characteristics of the five unwise virgins were they thought they would catch up when the Lord showed up. Church, I don't want there to be unwise virgins amongst us. If you think that you're gonna catch up when he shows up, would be foolish to think that. So what I'm saying is, is I somehow, I'm, I'm trying to get us all together to be on the same page. In order to be on the same page, you have to have something opened. It's just logic. Okay, so I'm, I'm not shaking the finger. I'm not shaking my finger at you. I, I am imploring us together to go on this journey that the Lord has set before us. An invitation is that in, into understanding the scriptures and the power of God further. You have permission to say amen. You have permission to wave. You have permission to, so um, not sure how this is landing, but uh, happy. Tell your face, I'm happy. Okay, but I realize I'm, ready, I'm wearing my readers and so everybody looks the same. Okay, here we go. Whew, there is so much to say around this verse right here in Exodus. It is talking about, again, this is the three, this, this is the, the trifecta that we, that we keep going over. I will meet you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. Of all the places, of all the territory that God owns, he owns the entire earth, the entire world, the, all of the galaxies. Of all the places that he owns, he zooms in on this one 45 inch by 27 inch piece of property and he says, I will meet you there. You come here, I'll meet you here. Where, where is here? The place of atonement. What is the place of atonement? It's one of the words that we don't even use anymore. It's the place where there was a sacrifice that was made. It's a place where the blood was shed because of, ah, just imagine a chair here. Ah, the throne, righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Because of that, that he was bound, he was bound by this righteousness and this justice piece of his because justice always demands blood. Something has to die in order for us to continue in our relationship, in order for me to pardon you, in order for me to forgive you, in order for you to receive forgiveness of your sins. Forgive us this day. Uh, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us for our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Great, I'd be happy to do that. Someone has to die. It's referring to, it's him. Jesus, he's the atonement. He's the one. Let me read you something. With that, turn to Hebrews 1. This is not in the notes. Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. I will meet you there. 
I will talk to you there. It's a place of atonement. It's Jesus. He has spoken, he is speaking to us now through his son. We come to Jesus to meet God. He's our place of atonement. It's the place where the life of the innocent was substituted for the life of the guilty. That's the thing about the atonement. It's a substitution. Psalms 103. Verses one through four says this. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget none, not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. On what basis does God do this? On what basis does he forgive all of my sins? On what basis does he heal all of my diseases? If we don't understand the basis on which he does this, we'll totally miss it. It's this thing that, 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 that we're trying to get untangled from. It's that math equation that I was talking about that if I don't, then he won't. There's an entanglement there because somehow I can have a tendency to think that him Forgiving all of my sins and, and healing all of my diseases is somehow, vicariously, somehow related to me. It's not related to me. It has everything to do with atonement, the substitution, where he took the place of what I should have gotten and what you should have gotten. And we, therefore, got to receive what he had. Substitution. Forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. The mercy of forgiveness was the same as the mercy of healing. Who heals all is as permanent as who forgives all. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Jesus asked the question, which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, get up, get up, take up your mat and go home? Which, which one's easier? Do you, do you remember? I, um, starting to turn blue. Thank you. Putting this message together was difficult for me because I, I couldn't find a landing place. And I think that part of it is because I have been speaking about this for a couple of three or four weeks. And um, there's a part of me where I felt like that the Holy Spirit was saying, uh, you're moving on too quickly. 
And there's a part of me that's going, yeah, but I don't want to come across as boring. You know what the definition of a bore is? Someone who's boring, someone who's made their point over and over and over. And yet I felt like the Lord's like, yeah, well, Jeff, this is not a point that you're making. This is an eternal truth that you're pointing to. Those are two completely different things. One is information and it's stored in our memory bank. The other is revelation, which is stored in our spirit, which turns into life-giving transformation. This thing that we've been talking about where the Lord says, I will meet you there. I will speak to you there. He gave, a, a di- he, he gave Moses the dimensions of this specific place that he wanted Moses to, to, to build for him. He had, God had called out the Israelites. He had, he had moved a million plus people, delivered them mighty miraculous things that happened. And once they were out in the wilderness, God spoke to Moses and said, hey, I, I want you to come up to this mountaintop because I want to talk to you there. And so Moses goes, and for six days, God doesn't say a word. The mountain is on fire. God does not say a word for six days. On the seventh day, God speaks to him and says, hey, in Exodus 25, this is why I've called you up here. I want you to build me a place where I can meet with you. And this is, these are the dimensions of this sanctuary. These are the dimensions. It's going to be this long. It's going to be this high. It's got to be this. It's got to have 50 rings that, that connect the, 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 the walls that go around, the tent walls that go around. Not 49, not 51. Everyone has to have 50. The dimension that I'm going to place, that, that I want this, this, one, this, atonement covered, this atonement place to look like is 45 inches by 27 inches. Do you remember that? And he said, above this, I want you to fashion cherubim, the angels. I want their wings to be facing each other and I want them to touch over this place called the atonement cover. And this is an exact replica of what's happening in heaven. Now we know that now, he didn't know that then. Well, the writer of Hebrews talking about what I am talking about points to this in chapter nine. So I'm reading now from the New International Reader's Version. Let me just tell you, sometimes if you can't find the version, if if the version that you're looking at puts you to sleep, find another version. I've got about six of them that are open up on my computer. I look for the one that, that has life on it. In Hebrews chapter nine, it says this, the first covenant had rules for worship. It also had a sacred tent on earth. A holy tent was set up. The lampstand was in the first room. So were the table and the holy bread. That was called the holy room. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy room. It had the golden altar for incense. It also had the wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant. The ark was covered with gold. It held the gold jar of manna. It held Aaron's wooden staff that had budded. It also held the stone tablets, which we would know as the Ten Commandments. The words of the covenant were written on them. The cherubim, that's the the angels that were faced like this, were above the ark. 
God showed his glory there. The cherubim spread their wings over the place where sin was paid for. That's a holy place. It's the place where sin was paid for. The angels had their wings spread out over this place where sin was paid for. Sin was paid for in the person of Jesus Christ. Our sin was paid for. He bought our, he paid for our sin. He paid for our health. Both of these are combined. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins based on what? And heals all your diseases based on what? And redeems your life from the pit based on what? And crowns you with righteousness based on what? They're all found in the atonement. John the Baptist said, look, it's the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world. Look, it's the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sickness of the world. Our mistake is, is that we don't know the scriptures and we don't know the power of God. Go stand and speak the whole message of this life. The whole message of this life. It's not that I don't know what I'm doing. I do know what I'm doing. I'm waiting. That's what I'm doing. Lord, I ask... Lord, we ask, Lord, for grace, mercy. So I, I'm, I'm stopping where I was headed. I'm stopping. Past few <clears throat> weeks, there's been a place where I can move forward 
in what I can do or I can step aside and let him move forward in what he can do. And so as uncomfortable as this is, as it might be for you looking this way, as if I don't know what I'm doing, you're right, I I don't, but I do know what I'm doing, I'm waiting. So there's this tension, I can bring what I can do or I can wait and see what he wants to do. The third ingredient that's pulling on me is that clock. It's pulling on me to hurry up. It's pulling upon me. It's pulling on me to make a decision. It's pulling on me to... And so if you guys, for those of you that attend here, if you could extend grace, that would be great. Lord, we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the true knowledge of Jesus. I think I would like to end with this. If you are here and you need healing in your body, it could be your mind, your emotion, I don't know what it is. If you need healing, would you stand? Please. you when I said that, I kind of envisioned maybe four of you uh, standing up. For those of you that are around, would you mind just putting your hand on a shoulder? People that are seated, if you could, I just want to do something. There's nothing more powerful than the Word of God. There's absolutely nothing more powerful. So I'm just going to read a promise that he gave to us 2,000 years ago. And because of the nature of the word of God in that it's eternal, it's still living, it's still breathing, it's still, it's still true. It's in Mark chapter 16 and he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and been baptized shall be saved but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Absolute, finalize, no buts. They will recover. Lord, we take you at your word. And for those of us who are standing and that are needing prayer, we lay hands on you and we speak this word. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.